Good evening once again, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Matt He, joined by always with my... Uh, wow, we're starting off on a great, great note great right note. now. I mean, I tell you great what. Great note. Y'all should have heard the first five times we tried to start. Woo boy. I mean, let me tell you, it's been a... 20 takes, and that was the best it, one. Yes, this is... <laughs> it's... Uh, wow, we're, this is bad. I'm Pastor Matt He, joined as always as my trusty co-host, friend, and uh, current... Musical or music uh, acquirer or uh, curator for me. There you go. Uh, Pastor Glenn Davis. Hey, hey. And this is Two Guys Who Happen to Be Pastors, a show where two guys who just happen to be pastors gather together and, well, we used to say we talk about all the aspects in of and outside uh, the pulpit, but I'll tell you what, Glenn, I think it, the more and more that we kind of dive into this and we see kind of the format change a little bit. It's become more and more of a therapy session for me and you. Um, you know, we we started this show with the idea that, you know, hey, let's shed a little bit of light on what's going on. And, I mean, the more and more we kind of pry open, you know, the life of a minister, the more and more we realize we're a little bit messed up, I'll be honest. We, we've, we've got some stuff, on, in, you know, in our hearts that... Maybe people don't realize, but it's the reason for the show. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you found us on one of our uh, platforms that we are on. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify, and we are on the Anchor website. We are also on a fit on Facebook. Type in Two Guys and Me Happen to Be Pastors, and we should pop up with our uh, beautiful, gleaming faces. And... Uh, Give us a like, give us a follow, kind of, you know, let us know where you're from, where you're listening from, and uh, interact with us. If you want to hear us talk about something, <coughs> excuse me, that's professional, isn't it? Um, we'll talk about it. If you say that we're doing a crap job, let us know. We won't care, but, you know, well, at least we'll acknowledge it. We'll give it a like or something, I don't know. Absolutely. So... <clears throat> Glenn, I, I told, this this is going to be a little bit of a different episode, but the last three or four have been different. You know, on this show, we have talked about, hold about how pastors are held on a high pedestal. And, yes, I agree. Pe- pastors should be held to a standard, I guess. You know, you don't exactly want a pastor out there who is, you know, uh, showing up, you know, with a fresh nightclub stamp on his hand or something from the night before or whatever. That's your opinion. Mm, well, you're you're a lot more fun than I am, Glenn. It's not true. Well, uh, <laughs> funny, but it, it it is what it is. I mean, uh, but <clears throat> I want to start off on something that just it ground my gears. And when I texted you this, we're not we're doing this off script, by the way. We have no script tonight. Whatsoever. Sermon, I mean, well, you're you're of course you've been in ministry longer than I have. I still have to have my my trusty little uh, bullet pointed notes. Um, well, I mean that's that's the old Jim Nichols coming through. Well, Lynn, you gotta be able to give that thing up there from from the hip. Sometimes you just gotta let them know how you feel, and not let them know what you're thinking on Wednesday. Let them know what you're thinking today. Yeah, I'm about like Jimmy Stewart and Liberty Valance. I'm still learning how to how to take a <laughs> shot, you know. <laughs> uh, but 
as I've mentioned before, I'm on the uh, hugely popular uh, social network or social media app, TikTok. If you ever look me up, uh, Heath Farm and Stock, if you're curious and want to follow me and see the, the goofy stuff I post, uh, I posted on there a couple, about a month or two back. I, I was scrolling through TikTok and somebody said, hey, do you like some, do you like free stuff? And I said, yeah, I like free stuff. Who doesn't? And I uh, said, are you a bourbon fan? I said, well, yeah, I like bourbon. You know, I'm human. And uh, Maker's Mark has a program called, uh, it's their ambassador program, by the way. Maker's Mark, not a sponsor of this podcast. I don't know if they'll ever be, but, um, but you had to fill out this questionnaire thing on there and you, you know, emailed it to them and then they would send you like an ambassador's kit. And part of it was you got your name engraved on a brass plaque that went on the actual barrel in their storehouse. Kind of cool, right? Very cool. You also get, um, I don't have one with me, but you actually get business cards printed with your name on it, your ambassador number, how long you've been an ambassador, and what your barrel number is. So if you get a bottle of Maker's Mark and it says this bottle came out of, you know, this number barrel, you know, it's kind of a neat way to, you know, it's kind of like, well, we talked about it last week, the Coke bottles with your name on it. Kind of the, that scenario, right? Well, <clears throat> I got it. I literally waited like six hours to open this thing up. And I decided, I was, hey, I'll do a TikTok on it. It's not that, you know, it's kind of fun. And... I did a TikTok, posted it, had a couple likes, like 350 people looked at it and watched it. And then I had a text message from somebody saying, oh, a pastor and a bourbon guy and everything, you know, and a bourbon, you know, ambassador. How's that, you know, how's that look or whatever? And I'm like, and maybe I overreacted. I don't know. But when I got that, I was a little hot. Apparently, the point of this show is falling on deaf ears. I don't know why it is, but... Well, I know why it is, but... Because we're human. And people, for some reason, we like to see people fail. We like to see people stumble. Because it makes us feel good about it. Maybe that... Maybe I, Like I say, maybe I'm being a little... Maybe I'm being a little hot or something like that. I don't know. And the gentleman that texted... The, the gentleman... The person that texted me this, he meant no harm. He was just giving me a hard time. I understand that. But it really got me to thinking... How... When we talk to our pastors, when we look and see what they like, what they... Um, what they watch, what they listen to, what they embrace, whatever. I mean, and we've said it before on this show. We don't give enough credibility to those around us. Folks, we're all human. I'm sorry. We're human. Yes, we are pastors. Yes, we are called to lead God's people. But... We are also people ourselves. Just because we put the name Pat, the word pastor in front of our name, or we put letters behind our name showing that we are a pastor, or 
you know, our picture is in the bulletin every week or whatever, our name's on top of it. That doesn't mean that we don't, that we're completely selfless and all, you know, that we're completely, you know, uh, whitewashed of everything that, you know, so, you know, is supposed to divide us. Because here's the thing. We are designed, we are a group of people who are called to be better. Not just the pastor, but everybody who calls himself a Christ follower. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. We're called to be on that higher level, to be the light in the world around us. And I ask, are we actually doing that? Are we actually being that light around us? Not really. No. I mean, look at the way look at the way things are right now, Glenn. Do you really think that all these people out there are truly trying to be the light of the world? <coughs> no, no, I don't. To carry on, I mean, it. <coughs> I mean, it's one of those, you know. It really goes back to he who is without sin cast the first stone. And again, you're going to listen to this, and you might get mad. I don't really care at this point. Ooh, get him now. I get that Dis- I'm a disclaimer. We we we've never cared. Hmm. <laughs> just, we no, uh, not really. I mean, yeah, we we appreciate all our listeners, but we are here to make you uncomfortable. Exactly, just a little bit. And if you're a pastor out there and you're listening to this, if you agree with me, great. If you don't, well, that's your opinion. I've got, I've got to, I've got to interrupt you here for just go a ahead go yeah, ahead I need a break let the I need steam, I need to cool down out. a little bit here Glenn um, I uh, I have a good friend of mine uh, shout out if he ever listens to this Elijah McKnight and uh, Elijah when I first met him was a Baptist mm. and uh, he would listen to the most aggressive Calvinist preaching oof and uh, a lot of it would crack us up to tell mm-hmm. you the truth. There's this one guy who was talking about a passage, and it is in there in the King James. You can find it about people peeing on a wall. I'm not making that up. And his point was real men. I'm not making this up. Oh, come on now. Real men pee standing up. I, that, that was real. His, that where he that, was going. That's the point. And he was talking about how the president probably pees sitting there. It was the most <laughs> ridiculous thing. And, I mean, hardcore ridiculous. But the funny point that you made me think of was, towards the end, he says, well, you ain't agreed with or liked anything I said all day. And three guys at the same time in the back go, amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, we're here to, we're here to push you a little bit. That's what yeah. the podcast's about. Make you think and uh, make you question where your heart is and all that good stuff. I mean, and we've talked about it before, and Glenn, you and I have seen it in in churches. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, we put so much on the man who's speaking that we forget about what he actually is saying. We shine completely away from it. We do. This man could literally be telling us, I mean, God literally could have come to him and told him, you know what, Jesus is going to come back a week from Tuesday. Be about 11.35 in the morning. Make sure everybody knows. That guy could be up there spouting it. But because, because 
We caught him, I don't know, buying lottery tickets at the gas station the day before. We, you know, we saw him do this, or, you know, he slipped a, a, a swear word or whatever. We're not going to pay attention to it. We're not, I mean, and I, and I, and I've seen it, and I know, again, I understand and I know that pastors are supposed to be the leaders of their churches, of their congregations. I get that. And it is not a responsibility that I take very lightly at all. But on the flip side of the coin, I think that we, we are legitimately holding maybe a little bit too much against the person who's actually saying it. I think that we, you know, and I preached on it today. I preached on it this morning. And it, it really, it this was something that tugged on my heart this week. And after yesterday, it really did. It hit home. I was like, yeah, this is what I need to preach on. I preached on doing things different. Mm -hmm. Doing, you know, embracing things that are, you know, embracing ideas that are different in ministry. Now, whether, you know, however you want to interpret that, you know, that, that's for you. I know what my heart, my core was on it. My whole, my, my focal point was, as long as it is rooted in biblical principles, in biblical scripture, difference not that bad. Different is, difference how you grow, difference how you move on and you keep going. And there are, again, back to TikTok. There's a guy on there, his account, give him a little nice little shout out, Bibles and Bourbon. The guy's a big time bourbon collector. Got some bottles that, you know, are, you know, five, seven hundred dollars. I think he's got one that was right around twelve hundred bucks. But he's also a pastor. And I've heard him give short messages. The guy knows what he's doing. He does. But because you ever hear that stand up comedian where about talking about Guy Fieri? Mm hmm Giving yep. you know, how people give crap. What did Guy Fieri ever do to anyone? It's like he gives you know, media attention to small businesses on his international platform. He he gives pretzel machines to inner city inner city schools to have fundraisers. I know it sounds like I'm making that one up. I swear it's true. He's like, but because he wears the sunglasses on the back of his head, you all want to string him up by his toes. Meanwhile, you can't get enough of that Anthony Bourdain. And he looks like he'd be mean to dogs. <laughs> I mean, and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I, I mean, it, it is it is weird to the nth degree. It is weird how people, places, and things get over in this world. Yeah, get over is a wrestling term. I know we've used it before, but it means that people are generally accepted by an audience on the weirdest of terms. You know. 
you you look at and I've been watching a lot more shoot interviews recently, which is WWE stars, WCW stars, telling true stories mm-hmm. from their time in wrestling. Sure. And it, it's impossibly interesting to me how Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes. I mean, you go down the list. How these men who presented themselves as men got over while at the same time Vince McMahon got frustrated with the character Al Snow because he carried around a mannequin head and it was so over they couldn't get him to stop carrying the mannequin head. (laughs) And he was as popular as those other guys. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. You watch WWE today. Of course, Roman Reigns is a gigantic, darn good-looking Samoan who's way over. Brock Lesnar, who is the legitimate UFC heavyweight champion of the world, of course, is over. Bobby Lashley, who won seven or eight professional fights in Bellator and Pride, is over. But at the same time... So is Happy Corbin and the New Day. (laughs) Like these gimmicks. Yeah. Like Rob Gronkowski was over on wrestling to the level that Brock Lesnar is. Like if you think about that for a second, how crazy that is. Sometimes there's just no explanation why people get into what they get into or who they get into. It just happens. You know, I can remember a time after the Golden Girls, where B. Arthur was fairly fairly popular. She did some Comedy Central stuff, mm-hmm. and but all of a sudden, like ten, fifteen years ago, everything was about Betty White. Yeah, and I don't even remember why that happened, and I don't know that people who were really into Betty White could tell you why it happened. Just the fact that she was the last one and. She was going to be the oldest. And that show yeah. was just so amazing. It was Rue McClendon oh. and B. Arthur, the Golden Girls, and that she was the last one. I think was a lot of the. Drive. That was the big core of it. It it. But brought... if you go back to the forties and fifties and sixties, Betty White was a massive star. Yeah. On television every night, B. Arthur was what she was. Maude, mm-hmm. and she was a huge star. Like these women. Were huge stars before the Golden the Golden Girls was their retirement. I mean, yeah, I mean, literally, it was just. <laughs> and then Betty White did like five seasons of Hot in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, and she was doing like you know, little bit parts and shows and stuff. And I mean, people say, well, it's because they ran out of money or whatever. And it's like, no, these and you could tell it in in Betty White and Rue McClanahan and all of them. Estelle Getty. I was trying to think of who played Sophia. Yep. Um. These people legitimately, and I remember, I think I, it was an interview, I think it was with um, B. Arthur, and she said, they asked, said, why in the world would you want to do another show when you're literally at the age when you can start thinking, when I mean, you can retire, you've made your money. She said, all four of us liked working. We liked what we did. We liked our craft, and we were good at it. And I'll tell you the truth: that show came out in what eighty 
Four eighty-five. Mid eighties, early nineties mm-hmm. was its run. We're still talking about it over thirty years later. It's it's, it's on. It's on somewhere. It's, it's ba- a lot. It's basically kind of like Andy Griffith or Gilligan's Island. I'm not real sure. I think Logo might have reigns on that. Logo is married with children. Yeah, so, lo- yeah. Um, um, Hulu, I know they got the contract for uh, Golden Girls. But it's my point with that is we are we we know what we would like to have, mm-hmm. but sometimes bits like a bourbon drinking pastor or uh, you know pastors that are super into prosperity gospel pastors mm-hmm. who are super conservative, who are super liberal, who are multi-religious. There are Jewish ministers. There are Christian-style rabbis. You never know who's going to get over when or for what reason. But as Jesus said about a man who was preaching in his name when Peter and the boys come up and they're like, hey, can you tell him to quit it? He's telling everybody he's one of us. And he's like, what's he saying? Well, he's talking about you and the coming kingdom. He's like, well, then he is one of us. They ain't hurting it. Leave him alone. I now, don't. They're blatantly getting heretical and going against. And you can tell. Yes, I mean, Jesus was the Messiah, and I'm Jesus. Shut him down. Yeah, that. Pull that plug. <laughs> he's got problems. Mm-hmm. The last three or four people that did that was Jim Jones, Charlie Manson. <laughs> Slow it down. Slow it down. Okay? Wow. Um, and I'm just going by testimony of what people said. So uh, Yeah, no, I, I agree with but, you. You know, if if they're not doing damage and they're really bringing attention to the kingdom, why? Why what are you worried about? I mean, I don't I don't understand it. I mean, like I said. Like I, I went to seminary. And I knew seminary is master's programs for church folk. And I knew from my undergrad, which I did locally at Indiana Wesleyan, that there was diversity in the kingdom. But I had no idea when I got to uh, seminary over at United how differently people went about things. And there would be these, you know, Arguments and one of the most controversial and really it wore me out classes was pastoral care and counseling because you really got to hear what people thought, what they really believed, mm-hmm. and it's diverse. So to think that you're the only person who has the answer. Is one of the most megalomaniacal things you can think of. Absolutely. I mean, I've been doing this professionally for 20 years, born on Saturday and church on Sunday. And all I've learned from all my seminary and, and professional development training is how much more I need to learn. Yeah. You can never stop. And can I learn something from a Muslim who has converted to Christianity? A Muslim who's just being a Muslim. Yeah, there's a lot to learn there. Is there room for debate? Do we need to address certain things? Well, sure. Yeah. But again... But if it's over and it's doing good, I mean, why do I got beef? 
mean, I just, I, and again, I'm young in ministry. I get that. I do. Yeah, but you're so handsome. Well, I try. I ain't no trying, brother. Well, <laughs> oh, man. Making me look all kinds of good. You've seen the picture on Facebook, folks. You Absolutely. tell me. Um, but I, I just, again, what what was said to me in response? It, w- it was no, there was no malicious intent. May meant it was just basically a, fr- a buddy of mine trying to you know jab me a little bit. He he probably could care less. He doesn't, but. On the flip side of the coin, it all it got me to thinking. I mean, not not. I mean, just got me to thinking. I mean, we've talked about it before. The reason why we have you know we had the pastor you know from the pulpit to the person segment, and I just I ministry. I mean, I know ministry is tough. Ministry is exceedingly tough. It takes a lot of hours. It takes a lot of manpower. It takes a lot of mental capacity to handle all these aspects. I respect that, and I understand that. But when you're coming to the pastor saying, well, why are you wearing blue jeans? Well, I wanted to be comfortable, man. I was gonna come at the polo game today was fierce. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty legit. I mean, I've been I've been rocking the polos lately. I don't know why. I've got a I've got a gray Tommy Hilfiger. I'm uh, gonna bust out for next week. So I mean, you know, make sure to tune in. But I went know. with the blue on black today. Oh well, then you're just all you're just you know. Really, you're di- you're you're diving deep into them uh, them primary colors. Not really primary colors. What are they? Uh, oh, you know what I mean. Dark colors. There you go. Cool colors. Your cool colors. There you go. I had to I think. Got back, Jack. I had to think for a minute there. But I just, I mean, and I have had people ask me like, "Why do you wear blue jeans all the time in, in the pulpit? Shouldn't you kind of dress up?" Um, well, they're my church jeans, if that makes any difference. But, (laughs) um, but, if that allows me, if, if somebody sees that and they see me out in the crowd and I'm talking to people and whatever, and they come in, I just go up and start talking to them and then they realize, oh man, that's the guy. That's, you know, he's, okay, well, yeah. And he, that person feels comfortable with that. Okay, that's fine with me. I don't care. Folks, I said this morning, I'm going to say it tomorrow in my recording, the one-on-one recording I'm starting to do. We've got to get used to different. I'm sorry. We do. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen the numbers. There ain't a whole lot of people going into ministry anymore. Nope. Or some teaching. I mean, it. it's, I mean... I have it on good authority that our next round of decom meetings... Now, keep in mind, they used to do like four hours of these. Uh, our next round of decom meetings will take one hour. Oof. That's... 
That's substantial. That that's a huge. If you take into account that four to five people an hour can be interviewed by one district committee, we went from twenty to, to four, five. Yeah, four or five. Four or five. Yeah. But it, yeah, you got to find a way to stay positive. But I'm staying. I mean, way to stay positive is to embrace new. New doesn't have to be bad. No. I mean, and you think to yourself, well, I just wish things could be the way they used to be. Well, they ain't going to be. And, uh, I, and I'm so sorry about that. We were talking about that at Pizza Hut, how they're, you know, fi- plowing into our nostalgia now because mm-hmm. all of us have the money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well. But, you know, at the same time, and I've talked about this in ministry a lot, a lot of people want things to be the way they used to be. Like Fowlerton, for example, two, three generations ago, Fowlerton had 200 people. At, I mean, I can remember in my lifetime, 200 people at church, kids programs, charitable programs, food giving programs. One generation filtered its way out. It was like the church forgot how to be the church. Yeah. They want to be that. But what I constantly preached when I was the pastor there, and I made it the truth, was we can't go back to that, but we can be something better. And I've preached that everywhere I've been, even here at Willow Branch. Willow Branch has great history, has a great legacy. But at the same time, over the last few years, I look at what we've been able to become, and it's something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. No, you're never going to be what you once were. Those folks aren't coming back, but they are a cloud of witnesses, and they want us to succeed. So try to be something new. Try to be something different. I mean, when we say, I mean, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Glenn. I mean, when we say, look at the different, you know, embrace the different. I mean, we're not saying that you should completely, like you said, completely shelve everything that we've done, but rather use that as the stepping stone to go to something that is great. I said it this morning. I said, why? And I little, I just point blank asked the congregation. I said, why are we failing in ministry? Why are ministries failing all across this, this country? Because we are still holding on to the one sentence that is the final nail in the coffin. <coughs> oh, 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 oh. I can't wait. It's the, know what it is. You know, the, you know what it is? I mean... If you're involved in a church, if you're involved in, like me, if you're a Freemason in the Masonic Lodge, if you're an Elk, Rotary Club, Lions Club, um, uh, Tri Kappa, whatever, that's the way we've always done things. The way we've always done it. We've never done it that way. Why? Why haven't you done it that way? Well, we, you know, it just kind of seemed a little far-fetched. Okay. That was 20 years ago when you thought that. You've had time to sleep since then. What do you think now? Well, I don't know. And this is not directed at my congregation or any other congregation. It is directed to us as... A body as the body of Christ here on earth, as the church 
that he has left for us to run. And it's all of us. It's not just pastors. It's everybody. Anybody that calls himself a Christ follower. I ask you this simple question. Why? Why not? I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with... It's like... You know, at the beginning of the COVID epidemic... Pandemic, I should say, not epidemic. At the beginning of the COVID pandemic, there was a lot of churches that did not have a Facebook page. They didn't. They didn't see the point in it. They didn't understand it. But, and Glenn, you can attest to this. You had, what, six, seven hundred people a week tuning in to watch your your live stream? Every I, believe, week? I believe what I what I used to figure that was there, there were two to four weeks. April 2020, and I would have to go back and look now because it's probably more. Mm-hmm. But we were upwards of 300 to 400 views. So I'm guessing because most of the people who watch those aren't watching them by themselves. I think they told us to do an average, and, and who knows, they're Methodist, the conference. They told us to do an average of three per view. So conservatively, we have potentially six, somewhere between 600 and 900 people watching some parts of that service. And considering that the week before they shut things down, and I said we're going to be on Facebook, we went from 35 members on our Facebook page, I'll never forget, because I looked mm-hmm. to make sure. I said, I'm going to record this. 35 and then I started doing the invitations. I started sharing the page notes. I started saying, this is where you can find us, this. And it was some of them three to 400 people or views per week for about a four to six week period when it was at its worst. Where yeah. We just couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. couldn't do anything. And um, I remember feeling, because my story with, with the pandemic was, I, I to this to this day I don't like it. I never liked it. Mm-mm. I was ashamed of the people who put us through that. There there is an entire generation of children. The world will be forever changed. And I don't think for the better. No. Because of what happened there. Mm-hmm. But God asked me in a very fitful time of prayer if I trusted him or not. I've heard God's voice, I would say, probably three times. His actual voice in my ear. When he called me to ministry, when he called me back from the precipice of leaving ministry, and in that moment, do you trust me? And I said, yes. And when I started seeing those numbers, I said, I hate this, and I'm never going to say I appreciate it this time in my life. I don't care how long or how short I live. But by trusting God, something good came out of this. If nothing else, 1,200 people maybe heard about Jesus for three to four weeks. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No. That's something you can kind of rest your hat on a little bit. I mean... And those sermons more than... 
many others because I like where I'm at right now because I'm teaching a lot. I've kind of adopted this idea in my ministry that I want my congregations to be biblically literate. I'm sick. You know, I, I heard a story a few years ago where the Church of England is, is dumbing down some things because mm-hmm. the priests consider it just too hard to teach it. Well, no, I'm not doing that. I want my churches to be the most biblically literate churches on earth, if I can handle it. Mm-hmm. And so I've been teaching a lot. But those three or four weeks, man, we got deep. Fear, insecurity, a lack of hope. What do we, like, what do, we do? What do we do with all this? And, you know, it was, it was a real deal, miraculous thing, I felt. And we still get up around 100 at the end, by the end of the week views. And I'm glad people enjoy it. Well, I've got 35 to 40 pretty loyal followers watch my one-on-one. 50 to 60 pretty loyal folks watch Wednesday Wanderings. What I discovered, and to the point I know you're trying to make, is we discovered that there was an audience for these things. We, I struggled my first five years here, Matt, because I could not get out in this community. I couldn't figure out how to do it. The nothing worked. Mm-hmm. And when we turned the face, like I would have Ash Wednesday services, Monday, Thursday services, which is where you do, like, I don't like to say a Passover meal because I'm not Jewish. But a, a love feast, covenant meal, like Jesus would have. We'd have 10 people come, 12 people come. I turn on the Facebook page, there's potentially a 1,000 people. Different ain't bad. You're absolutely no. right. Yeah. What kind of different works for you? You have to work at that. Because I was telling some folks today in my church at a worship meeting that Facebook would not have worked at some of the other churches I've been at. It wouldn't. No. But at the same time, there would be 50 to 100 people who would come to a convocation or to a service that you had. You have to be willing to dig and find out what works. Absolutely. In your church, in your community. And honestly, to your point, that's what a lot of people aren't willing to do. And that's why our churches are in dire straits. Exactly. We're not... I, I, I mean, like I say, I, I just, when did, you know, and I, I use this, I use the example this morning, and I, I use this example a lot. Henry Ford, love him or hate him, I know his politics are a little questionable. <laughs> yeah, thank you for Nazis. What are you going to uh, do? What are you going to do? You know. Um, but yeah, he failed five times. Five times to start our car company. He started five times to start, huh? Knocking stuff over. Knocking out Bundy. He knocked over Al Bundy. I mean, what in the world's going on here? You know. But. You know, Henry Ford failed five times to fo- to formulate a company. He didn't just open the doors one day and say, 
here's a Model T, and then five months later, he said, you know what? It's taking too much time to build them by hand. Let's build them on an assembly line and develop that. No. Ford Motor Company started in 1903. The first Model T, I think, if I remember right, let me look it up here. I think Model T production started like 1909 or something like that. Um, let me look here. I should know this. I know. But, in the, I mean, but the thing about it is, it was produced from 1908, I was close, to 1927. That didn't just, I mean, it literally, he, okay, so he started in 1908 producing the Model T, and it was a very successful car. It was cheap, people could buy it, people could work on it, it was reliable. And, but he didn't start off with that. He did start off with a different idea. He started off with the idea that everybody deserved to have a car. There was a quote, and I can't remember. It was on. It was a. There was a, a show that was made about him, and he said, "I'm not interested in the big man or the rich man. I'm interested in the little fella. He's never been able to afford anything in his life before. Anything nice for himself before." And he did the same thing with the with the Fordson tractor um, later on. Oh, because he was different. You know, you look at some of the greatest technological advances that we have had in our history. I mean, it's all because somebody thought different. The Wright brothers thought different. Well, you know, I think people can fly. Huh. Okay. They really dug into what worked and what didn't. I mean. It's amazing to go to that place and read that story. Oh, I. And see it on display where. They learned from other people, some of whom died. Yeah. You know, trying to experiment with things. And, you know, the I think, what was it, the year before or possibly the year of? I think it was a year before the Wright brothers actually got the plane off the ground. Uh, one of the brothers said there, no one would conquer flight for the next hundred years because there was just a piece missing. Yeah, nobody could figure it out. And once they put that piece in... It was like that. that yeah. Like, there we go. That's a good snap. There. <laughs> For those of you who couldn't see, I had three very dainty snaps. That he did. Didn't really make any noise. Well, so. nothing wrong with that. Um. So. But yeah, I mean, you have. I've said this before. It's kind of a weird, and it's kind of a weird metaphor or example, but, uh, you know. The, the great Apple icon, Steve Jobs, um, wouldn't use focus groups. Hmm. Terribly against focus groups. Wouldn't even entertain the idea. And when they asked him why, he said, focus groups can't tell me the future. Focus groups can't tell me the future. I have no use for them. I already know what's popular. And that always made me think, Jesus, if he would have used focus screws and went with what was popular, we would have a vastly different thing. Mm -hmm. He saw the future the way no one, even his own disciples, saw it. And we have a, we have a faith, we have a hope, a peace. No one else has. 
thinking different, thinking outside that box. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, we'll. I bought a shirt recently, or yesterday. I didn't wear it today. Today I'm wearing the uh, Blackstone Cherry colors. For those of you who are fans out there, um, it says I'm not for everybody. One of the hardest things, and your pastor might struggle with this because most pastors do. One of the hardest lessons, but most important lessons I have ever learned in ministry is what that shirt says. I'm not for everybody. Not everybody's going to like you. You don't like everybody. What's the matter with you? Well, I mean, Sometimes folks will find what they're looking for somewhere else, and you know what? That's okay. Because as Paul says, it ain't about Paul, it ain't about Apollos, and it ain't about Peter. About Jesus. And sometimes you have to humble yourself enough to accept that, you know what, maybe you can't fix every situation. Maybe everyone is not going to be into you. People who are super serious church folks don't like me, and that's fine. I, I Because, frankly, I wouldn't like the church that they go to either, so that's fine. That's and that, it's a different taste. It, it is. I mean, and I again. My grandmother get, was harping on me. I stopped over. I saw her after church one day. Of course, she goes to a different church than I do. But she saw me, and I had on my nice brown sweater, nice shirt underneath, my blue jeans, and my boots. Hair gelled, looking you know very suave, debonair. I mean, I look. I mean, I looked okay. I thought, you know, wife thought I looked good. That's all that matters, you know. But um, she said, "Oh, did you already change clothes?" I said, "No." Oh, oh, you you wore that to preach in? Was it like a talking point or something? I said, "No." This is what I wear. Oh, and I love my grandmother to death. She's so sweet. But, but to your point, Lynn, yeah, I mean, there are going to be people who tune in and watch me, and they see me come out in just a polo, blue jeans, and boots, and they're going to say, how'd this guy get this job? Because I worked for it. I prayed about it. I asked God to put me in a place where I can actually do, where ministry needs to be done, where something different Needs to be done. And and I have a hard... I guess I have kind of a hard time with that. I mean, I'm a likable guy, I assume. And I like talking with people. And I want to make sure everybody around me is, is comfortable, is happy, is laughing. Maybe that's a form of mental disability. Or mental disability. Mental uh, illness. I don't know. I don't really care at this point. You trying to ask me if I'm a figment of your imagination? Right? You know what? After after this evening and and the photograph that I have, which will may more than likely make a round or two, I don't know. It is in my possession. I don't know. Um, Ouch! It sounded like it hurt. That's good. Um, but now I've lost my point. Oh, my point. Uh. <laughs> 
Um, lost the narrative. Lost the narrative. I mean, it, it happens every once in a while. Go for it. Um, my point being is... Holy... Oh, man, I did lose it. Um, let me think for a minute. It'll come back to me. I know it will. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just gonna fill in. Oh, go ahead. Usually in drama club, you count to five, and if somebody ain't back, then you take it from. They got a really nice signature. I know it's off off the wall. It is off the wall. Just I a didn't bit. realize that when I wrote on my otter box, I thought the thing was up, but it wasn't. So I actually wrote. I got a nice little signature there on my otter box. You do, hey. For a billion dollars someday. Someday, I mean, you know, when you're best I could do is forfeit. But well, <laughs> all right, Rick Harrison. But uh, free Britney Spears. Best I can do is free Bill Cosby. <laughs> but I, you know, like I say, if if you have a problem with the way your pastor does things, says things, okay. I think in I think in this country in particular, we would have a lot better showing in the church. If more people and more clergy understood that you don't have to go to that church if you don't like it. Go somewhere else. There's other churches, man. We're getting to the point where all of our churches are going to be the same, and that scares me. Yeah, a little bit. I, I present Willow Branch in public to people who are important. The sheriff, judges the police, other pastors in the area, charitable organizations. I present this church as the alternative to what big churches are doing. I love what big churches are doing. I love it. That is my jam. I love worship bands. I love powerful and practical preaching. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm doing that. But this church, Willow Branch, offers an alternative. Yes. There are people who don't like fast-paced, clap your hands, up, down, up, down. Your pastor's wearing jeans. There are some people who want their pastor to wear a suit. You want to play the piano. You want to sing hymns. We offer that. Honestly, it's been... I've been a minister longer than I had this choice, which is crazy. If I had the choice of picking a church open season, I'm probably at a really, really big church. And I'm probably on boards and trying to help with ministries. But it's so important to have an alternative. And we are barreling towards, that's all a church is going to be, is those big churches with the big budgets where people get lost in the shuffle. We're going to lose even more people. Yeah. You have to look around your community. What does your community need? That's where your disconnect is, if you're interested in knowing. Because I've done a lot of work on this. Because I've been in small churches my whole life. Mm -hmm. You have to look at what is going on in your community. And you have to address it. Most churches exist the way they've always existed because that's all they've ever known. And there's nobody left innovative to change it. If you want your church to grow and your ministries to become stronger, look around your community and figure out 
where can we have the biggest impact? Shift your ministry to that, and you will see a difference. Mm -hmm. When I walked into this church, six weeks on the job, I remember because we had a visitor from the conference, and it was the week after that that I had this conversation with some people. I was told, boy, that guy was real high in the sky. We've been told that we can't really do anything. And I said, who told you that? The conference. Mm. They said, nope. There's plenty we can do. There's plenty we can do that those other bigger churches can't do. And they need us to do. We yeah. need to be partners with them. I mean, we we can't be WCC over here, and we love our friends at WCC. Oh yeah, we great. do. Yeah. Great ministry partners. We can't be Trinity Park. We can't be Park Chapel. But they can't be Willow Branch. You have to adjust to what's going on in your community, and if you don't know, go find out. Go ask around. What are the needs? Where do people see doubt and fear and darkness? How can you bring light to that situation? And you'll see your church's motivation, its presence, completely change in your community. And even if you don't grow to, you know, I'm blanking on big churches. Well, I mean... Uh, if you don't grow to Willow Branch numbers, <laughs> at least people will know you're looking and they'll know you care and it won't matter to them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who don't go to this church who care whether this church is here or not. A lot of people. Because of the work we've done with Royal Family, because of the work we've done with Changing Footprints, because of the work we've done at the Soup Kitchen, people know we're here, they care that we're here, and they want to work with us. So you may not get everyone, but you will become a part of the community of believers that's trying to work in your area. And that's where you start. <coughs> All right, I think I, I got us caught up. You, you did, yeah. Yeah, that's actually probably, that's more, that's really kind of where I was going to go. But, yeah, I... <clears throat> and if your answer is... There ain't that much going on. Try harder because there is. There's, believe me, even in a small, even in a, there's a reason. 25 years living in Fallerton, stuff's going on. <laughs> I can tell you. I mean, there's a reason why even the 10 people, or if there's a church that only has maybe 8 or 10 people showing up every Sunday, there's a reason why those people are still showing up because they believe in that church. They believe in what that church has done and what it still can do. And I agree with you, yeah. It there needs to be like here in, in Hancock well, part of Hancock County, Henry County, there's a ministerial alliance. You have all these churches that gather together and they do a service. They do a Thanksgiving service, um, once a year. I kind of think, I mean, stuff like that needs to happen again. Because, I mean, there, you know, I talked to other pastors who are in my, who are in the area of Strawn, and, um, you know, I, I say, hey, is there like a, you know, do we all, is there a chance for all of us to kind of get together and talk? And, well, yeah, but so and so, and da 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 da, and that used to happen, but it doesn't happen anymore. And I'm like, 
why aren't we working together? We're all working for the same goal. I'm sorry. To tell people about Jesus, to bring them to the light, to, you know, to, to show them that they can have eternal salvation, we're all working for that. Why would you not want a hand out or a hand up to help with that? I think you would. I, I think, yeah. I mean, but I, at the end of the day, folks, we're, we'll, we'll move on from this topic. We've said it once, we'll say it again. Your pastor is a person. He has things in his life that he likes, that he embraces, that he, um, you know, that are just part of who he is. And that's just part of it. Mm -hmm. If you're, again, as I said, if you're putting more emphasis in the person and not what that person is saying, I do believe we got a little bit of a disconnect there. And if I tick a lot, if I tick people off saying this, I don't care. I really don't. You can address your hate mail to www.notinterested.com. There you go. Not an official sponsor. Not yet. Mm -hmm. But, but, I guess in a four-word sentence, I would say this: Give them a break, just a little bit. Yes, you can hold them to a standard. If they're slacking, if they're just... I mean, if they're spouting something crazy from the pulpit or, you know, they're slacking on their job or whatever, then yeah, call them out on it. But if what they're doing is not... But if what they're doing doesn't affect your walk with Christ, if it doesn't affect their ability to do ministry and to do effective ministry leave them alone and I'm not just saying that for me as a maker's mark ambassador <laughs> um, but because I mean it got to, I took the video down I took that TikTok down I deleted it because I it was such a knee jerk reaction I'm like well I better do that and then all of a sudden it dawned why? Why am I, why? I mean, that, why? Ugh. You but, are fired up tonight, mm, man. Tell you what. Mm, tell you what. Mm, tell you what. But. Why am I getting, oh, sorry, good. Get a bunch of pictures from somebody taking a trip to Turkey. Why do I care? Oh, well. Tag them out of group. Oh. But, yeah, just. Give your pastor a break. Talk with them. Find out what they like. Find out what they do outside of the outside of church. Who knows? It very well may be something that you yourself share an interest in, but you didn't think you could talk about it because it's church. Yeah, well, and I think Good old game. Ooh. Have a, you know, buffet and oh man! Oh now, hang on, hang on. We're getting but, there. So yeah, I, w I do want to shift gears if we can. And yeah, wind it down here. Absolutely. We're getting, you guys don't know because you 
probably listen to this in the car, but it's getting on towards midnight. Mm-hmm. And the end are kind of, that's even getting laid out on the West Coast. Just starting to. Um, so, a couple things I want to get into tonight. Uh, won't take a ton of time, but uh, the uh, midweeks of February are the best of times and the worst of times around the Davis house. Um, 48 years ago, on February the 23rd, Donna Davis, in a fit of insanity, agreed to marry Thomas Edward Davis. Oh, my. <laughs> Donna Faye Marlene Royal, my mother's name, beautiful name, uh, agreed to marry Thomas Edward Davis, February 23rd, 1974. And um, they've been together ever since. I was telling someone earlier tonight they're still in love. But uh, you can tell they've learned some things about each other over the years. When uh, my dad's watching a television show about, you know, bourbon or gardens or mm-hmm. tree houses or Oak Island treasures or whatever. Your dad does not walk up, watch Oak Island, does he? He not only watches it, he's into it. Oh, they're digging a hole. Well, they're pulling gold out now. Well, there's I still... don't know that they are. <laughs> I'm going by what he's telling I me. mean... Well, they're finding gold in there. I watched an advertisement for that show about 10 years ago that a guy said that there was stuff there from the Knights Templar. Sorry, I'm suspicious. Uh, just a little. <laughs> uh, she'll go in the other room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they've learned some things about each other. Absolutely. Um, but uh, congratulate 48 years. 48 years. That's a long time to be Somebody is a lot of somebody. Um I, I actually yesterday I sat up there. We I love my mom and dad so much. I can literally sit at a table and exchange news stories with my mom and dad for seven and eight hours at a time. I just I love them to death. I'm lucky. I'm blessed with what I was given in life. There, uh, they prepared me. They prepared me for where I was going. And uh, they're still with me. Um, I, I get anxious sometimes when I think, you know, mom's had some bouts of cancer the last couple of years. And uh, dad's having issues that they're still having trouble diagnosing. We want to say it's Parkinson's. They won't. We're not sure why. So, you know, I get anxious sometimes when I think about not having them because they really are legitimately some of my best friends. I very rarely argue with them anymore. There was a time. There was a time. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Time. But I've learned over time they only wanted what was best. And even on the times when I may have found out they weren't as right as they wanted to think they were, they were only looking out for me. And I know not everybody gets parents like that. Mm-hmm. This is not some big soapbox to tell you, listen to your parents. Folks, some of your parents are stupid. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It is. Um, my grandfather wrote telegrams for Dwight Eisenhower in Germany at the conclusion of World War II. And that was the family my mother was born into. Unfortunately, he was injured most of his life. And they didn't have a lot. But my mother is an incredibly intelligent person, a fierce person, a brave person. My dad got drafted to Vietnam, did not grow up in the best of circumstances. Uh, Still at outhouses in Fallerton when my dad was a little man. I uh, know because he and his brothers knocked a few over. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't remember if I know I told it at a Halloween on Halloween services and stuff before, but there's a great story about them knocking over a, uh, 
an outhouse we'll have to talk about it sometime closer to Halloween. But uh, my dad's a brave man. He was one of the hardest working people I've ever met. And, you know, even, even as he struggles at times to keep his mind together, he sat and told me about wattages and putting together amps and uh, breakers and circuits. I mean, he knew his craft. He was, a, he was a high wireman and a good one. AEP saw a dip when he left, I'm sure. <coughs> uh, so congrats, Mom and Dad, 48 years. That's Absolutely. nothing to shake a stick at. No, that's a long time to be washing somebody's shorts every mm. week. Well, and Dad's a big man. He yeah. do laundry from yeah. time to time. Well, so. then there you go. He likes to do dishes. He also likes to eat donuts. So. Ooh. <laughs> He, he had, he, there was a bag sitting on the table. He said, what's that? Mom said, them some donuts you bought. He goes, I bought donuts? She goes, yeah. He goes, oh, well, my sugar's been up. Hand them things over here. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't back on the eating. Yeah. Um, on a more melancholy and, um, you know, I want to be respectful of this. I'm not going to speak much to it, but I'm going to mention it because uh, it needs to be mentioned. Um, Seven years ago today, uh, Moore's dad passed away at Lutheran Hospital. Uh, he had cancer, but he also had amyloidosis, where a protein in his body and his bloodstream didn't develop right. And as he struggled through cancer treatments, he was having trouble filtering in his body, and they found out it was because... The amyloidosis was filling up his kidneys, his liver, and they just weren't able to function correctly. And the hardest thing we, I think we heard throughout that process was if he didn't have one or the other, he probably would have survived. Hmm. But the mix did him in. Yeah. And um, people ask me how old he was. Not old enough is the answer. Um, they never was, are. was 60 years old mm -hmm. and you know my grandpa Earl died in his early to mid 80s I'm not sure exactly how old he was um, I was in the room holding his hand when he died and I remember feeling in my heart of hearts that that man had done everything he was meant to do on earth and it was it was good I could let him go and I felt him walk with me a lot since then. So, but Bob was sixty. He had a granddaughter that was in middle school. Uh, he, he hadn't had Lauren and I hadn't had kids, and it just felt like it was. It felt premature. Yet we kept convincing ourselves he's got to make it because there's just no other option. He has yeah. to make it, and. When he didn't, you know, I, I, part of Lauren went with him. And, you know, he, he, he wasn't always, I think a lot of people would tell you, he wasn't always the easiest person, but a lot of times it was because he cared about things more than you did. And he expected more of you. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I really respected about my father-in-law was... He could be pleased with things that I did, but he always expected more. And 
I'm thankful that somebody on earth did because it's, I can be overwhelming. I know that. I have an intense intelligence. I have a tremendous memory. And I'm so good looking. Well, and <laughs> modest too. And I can I can overwhelm people sometimes. He was never overwhelmed by me. He always expected more. And he was worth a laugh. Um, the first time I met the man, he got me in trouble. I had known Lauren for years and years. But I had never really met her family. And I went over there to eat after we kind of become, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and all that. And, um, my father-in-law had something he did that I didn't know about. Where he would turn on a light, or he would put on his glasses, and he would look up at Lauren and Anita and go, Oh! <laughs> it's like he was scared. I didn't know he did that. <laughs> so the first time we went in the kitchen to eat supper together... He turned on the light, turned around, saw Anita, went, Who? Who? Woman. <laughs> and I laughed. And Anita turned and looked at me and she goes, What the heck are you laughing at? <laughs> and I said, Oh, wait, I was laughing at that. Settle down. <laughs> I just, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to say it. I don't know. <laughs> and then he kind of giggled. He's like, You have to get thicker skin than that, boy. <laughs> so, so we finally got to the point where I could not even giggle when he would come in and say things like that. You know, his dog. Yeah, they had a dog Jack who passed away just before he he got sick. Um, uh, Labrador Retrievers, white Labradors, beautiful dogs. And then they had Pete. And uh, he would go out and feed Pete and pet him and play with him. And he'd come back in and he said, you never going to guess what Pete said about you. <laughs> and I could make it through those without giggling. Yeah. So I earned my stripes. <laughs> um, <laughs> he'd come in one day and he said, uh, Pete said that old bat needs to get out there and refill the dog food bin. And she turned around and she goes, what did you just say to me? And he's like, what? Pete said it. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny oh. guy. Man's man made his own bullets. I mean, he he was one of a kind. And I'll tell I'll tell one more because um, you know you never know from time to time when you'll get to say things. And uh, first Christmas I had with him, he bought me a recorder. A rubber snake and a basket. And he said, when I could charm that snake, I could marry Lauren. Well, at that point, I'll be honest, I, I really liked Lauren. I didn't know if we would get there or not. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you never know. And um, I knew I liked her, so I started to entertain the idea. And then, following summer, I got the feeling I was going to ask her. And uh, I went and you know talked to him about it, and in front of everybody, after I'd gotten his permission, in front of everybody, I tied some fishing wire from that snake to my recorder, and I ch and I tried to, <laughs> and uh, he agreed. He didn't tell me there was no receipt. I couldn't bring her back. <laughs> and uh, one of our last Christmas, maybe our last Christmas with him. 
They printed off and gave me an Ivy Tech application for Christmas. Because hmm. I am so inept with machinery, tools. I mean, I've learned a lot, but mm -hmm. that's because I haven't had a lot of people around to help me with it, so I've had to. But uh, the, he, he, called, he called me from the parking lot of a truck stop where he took a nap because he works secure, private security for Marsh and some other places. He's actually a liaison for the FBI. This was a man's man. Oh, man, know? yeah. And um, he called me up and he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm subbing at Shenandoah today. He goes, really, what class? And I said, shop class. He goes, oh, Thomas, don't turn anything on. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, don't worry, I'm just giving them their final. I'm not turning mm. anything on. He's like, oh, it is close to Christmas time. Good. Don't don't turn anything on. We don't need you loose fingers for Christmas now. <laughs> <laughs> I said I won't. Bye, Bob. <laughs> uh, so uh, the lesson there is: good man going. I will always believe going too soon. I know God has a plan, but um, you know, we probably needed him around a little bit longer. And, and you know, nobody's perfect. Um, I I know um, at his. Uh, we were making arrangements. Uh, my my sister in law, um, everybody was talking so nice, and my sister in law goes, "I don't want this to get lost on everybody." He was a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> we all laughed. Oh. Hey. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to deny that. But um, yeah, hug your parents, hug absolutely. Your loved ones, let them know. I mean, absolutely, you know as well as anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let them. Let them know you care. Let them know what you think because uh, there's going to come a day even we aren't going to be here. No. So let them know why you can. Yeah. That's what I've uh, got. You got anything else I, I think I think we've, we've kind of, we've kind of, we've harped on one subject pretty much the entire show, but I mean, it, it's something that, I mean, it, if it is, it's something that is, if it's not addressed, there's going to be nobody to take it over anymore. There's nobody going to pick up the torch. No, but if the church becomes one-dimensional, the kingdom becomes one-dimensional. Exactly. We're not doing anything. We're not and doing anything. you lose more people than you are now. There's got to be... Yeah, there's there's got to be a lot of different ministries. That's why we're here. There's got to be something new. But Friends, uh, again... Whether you've agreed with us in this episode or you haven't agreed with us in this episode, that's your own personal opinion. We at this show believe that every person is entitled to to their own. Um, but on the flip side of the coin, we do I do ask that you respect mine, and we've talked about that before. You can have an opinion, but you got to respect those around you who have differing ones. I mean, that's just the long and short of it. That that's people complain that we have a divide in this country, and we do. I'll I'll admit that. But and people say, "Well, what's the solution? What's the solution?" Well, I'll tell you what. You know, the pretty good solution is getting back to the idea of you believe in this, I believe in that. That's your that's your right. That's your prerogative. First First Amendment allows us to have that. It's a lot easier to accept what someone else thinks than to hate them for. Yeah. People don't realize how easy it is to just go, oh, that's nice, move on. It takes so much effort 
to dislike somebody. Whereas if you just, I mean, if you just like somebody, I mean, if you, yeah, if you acknowledge, respect what they believe in and you move on from there, you might be, you, you could potentially be losing out on a great, great friend, a great colleague, a great, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Well, I, I thought, if it's all right as we close up shop. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, just for funsies, something for people to talk about and think about where they don't have to debate. I'd be kicking this around this week. This is bestlifeonline.com's list of the most pertinent, useless facts in the world. So I thought we'd just do a couple I, of I'm always game for a useless fact. I'm full of them. All right, bestlifeonline.com gets the credit. Here are some useless facts. No number from 1 to 99 includes the letter A in its word form. Hmm. That includes the 80s because it's spelled E-I and not A. Huh. Because I before E, e except after C, C, and the words that say A, like neighbor and wife. Many oranges are in fact green. Hmm. Fruit is often green when ripe, thanks to plenty of chlorophyll. In South America and other tropical locales, oranges are green all year round. But because in the United States it gets colder, oranges lose their chlorophyll and become orange. The opposite sides of a die will always add up to seven. That was weird. That is weird. Yeah, that's <laughs> You are 13.8% more likely, wait for it, to die on your birthday. Ooh. How fun is that? That kind of, that doesn't sit well with me, to be honest with you. <laughs> and finally, we'll call it quits on this one tonight. Be very useful this spring and summer at your pool parties. Playing dance music helps ward off mosquitoes. Hmm. Playing electronic dance music could be just what you need to scare away those pesky skeeters in the summer. Loudness and constantly escalating pitch discourages these bringers of yellow fever from biting and or mating. So basically, I gotta turn the pool into a. Well, you got your you got your um, Apple Music deal. Yeah, your yeah. Your Apple Music yeah. gimmick, as yeah. Jim Cornette would call it. Well, if you click on that and download just some Ricky Martin and some Mark Anthony. Oh, that okay. I can get behind that. Get behind some that. J-Lo. Some good stuff. Yeah. Get a little bit of a mix. Lady Gaga. My, my godson was playing Beat Saber today, and I could hear him in the background when I'm you know, talking to uh, Lauren's getting her hair cut up there. I could hear him singing Bad Romance. No, my. <laughs> <laughs> good On that note, good night, Lindy and Kessid. It darn near is your bedtime. Mm-hmm. Um, next week we will record and the week after the lovely, beautiful, talented 
and bright future Lindy Tonello will be here. Mm. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited to meet her. Hopefully. Matt, Matt's gonna go. I think axe throwing or possibly top golfing with us. Pretend, that, yeah, so. sure, yeah, absolutely. So we're looking forward to that. Um, so good night, girls. Good morning, Vladivostok. Where I believe it's darn near Tuesday. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Last but certainly not least, I just got offered a sticker on Facebook that says, We die like men today. No airbags. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Night, everybody. Thanks for listening.